me? This is Edwards! What do you want? Mrs. Edwards, I know I ask you this like every week, but would you like to ride to church with me? Oh, come on, Mrs. Edwards, you'll like my church. We have some hot music. It may not be what you're bumping at all, but it's hot. We get down. What do you say, Mrs. Edwards? Oh, I suppose. Welcome, Nexus Church family, to our message I titled My One. Now, I don't know about you, but that little clip. I just loved it. It wasn't anything I was expecting to happen. And so maybe that's what made it so funny. But it it is tackling a topic that especially for all of you who are tuning in online, whether through a podcast or through Facebook or our website, uh, the many different ways that you can take in our messages in this new digital world we live in. It tackles something that I, I really, it's hard to preach on when this is predominantly a method that many use to keep away from a church family. And so today, we are talking about inviting a person to church. Obviously, that begs the question, why are you not in church? And it can make a person feel very judged, uh, maybe feel like I'm being critical to you. And so before I even get into the message that I will be sharing with our church family live and in person and really challenging them, I, I'm going to go a little different route with you online before we get into what I will be sharing with them. And that is, is the, it, this is just a thing that we need to address. Why are we not being a part of a church family? I know I realize there's broken people in every church, and sometimes even the pastors can be broken. And so people who are broken will hurt. And it's hard to trust when you've been hurt. It's hard to feel safe when you've been hurt. But I encourage you to please, please don't give up on church. I believe that the church is the hope of the world. And through it, God transforms lives. He is the head. We're the body. We're a broken body. But we still need each other. Don't silo yourself. Don't keep yourself far away from God's people. They're there for you. They're going to stumble with you. They're going to encourage you when you're struggling. You're going to encourage them. So, so please, please hear my heart. As we get into this message today, you are loved, you have a part, and even though you've been hurt, I believe that you belong in a church family. You belong. And if, please, you have any anything you want to talk about, I hope that I am a safe person that you can reach out to. And so please, please, either get me on Facebook Call me up if you have my number. Email us, nexuschurchmn at gmail.com. Reach out to me that way. However, I can come alongside you and walk with you. I get it. Church is messy. There are Sundays, and I'm the pastor. I don't want to go to my church. It's not because I hate it. It's just because it's tough. 
I'm telling you this right now. I believe 100%. Maybe this is all you need to hear today. I've belabored this long enough, and I apologize for that because I don't like doing that. But here it is. I 100% believe that the enemy wants to keep you out of church. And he is going to use any means possible, sometimes even people, sometimes even pastors, sometimes even family members. He's going to do anything possible to keep you out of the church. Because he knows that when people gather together and they worship together, there is extreme power in it. So understand that that, the enemy knows that. And if you're not a part of a church family, he feels that he's won. He may not be able to keep you from salvation, but he can keep you from being a part of the power and the beauty of God's family. Don't remove yourself from God's family. Don't remove yourself from God's family. So with that, we're going to talk about inviting your wife. Inviting. I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't believe that every single person is called to be an evangelist. We are to do the work of an evangelism, right? That's different than being an evangelist and going out and telling everybody you come across. We're talking about inviting one person today. Because the reality is, as our video made so clear, inviting isn't that big of a deal. It should be one of the easiest things we do. We invite people to things we love all the time. I'm not afraid to share about how you need to become a Vikings fan or a Minnesota Wild fan. Like, I can share that all day long about my excitement for them, my passion for them, that you need to come to a game with me. But when it comes to church, why is it? Why is it that our family, our neighbor, our friends, our coworkers, our classmates, why is it that they're not in church with us? Why haven't we invited them? What's keeping us from doing that? So today, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be looking at a passage to begin with from Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus kind of addresses this. And I know many have heard this, this passage many times, the, the great command, or great commission, sorry, I almost mixed it up, the great commission of what God has called us to do, make disciples. But so often, we miss some of the things that are going on here. We get the big picture, but we miss something. Because Jesus addresses the reason why we struggle to invite in this passage. And he also gives us the backstory a little bit. And not only that, the Bible explains why this isn't so important. Why is it that we go? Why is it? And so let's take a look at that right now. So we're going to begin with Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to read verses 16 through 20, and we're going to unpack it a little bit. We're going to discuss the whys, the what, where is the struggle, and then by the time I'm done, my hope is that I can give you such a basic, basic plan of how you can invite people to church. One person at a time. So Matthew 28, verse 16. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven 
and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of age. Again, so often we talk about this passage and we lay out this plan of how we are to go and make disciples, right? We're called to go and make disciples and to teach them. But we miss the first part. The first part always sticks out to me. Go. Right? Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Now go. Like, he's kind of like just being pretty blunt with them. He's like, I'm in charge. Go. Go. Go make disciples. In order to make followers, in order to invite, the first step that we must do before we evangelize, before we teach, before we equip, we've got to go. We've got to go. We've got to go to where the people are. Jesus says it this way in Luke 19.10, that he came to seek and to save the lost. So we have two commands here, right? We are to go and we are to seek. Two different ways to explain the same commandment. Go, seek. Go, seek. We've got to get out of Colossus Church. We need to go. Let's go. We'll unpack that just a little bit more in a minute. I love how Jesus did it, though, in Luke chapter 15. He gives us three stories in here of this passion to go. Now, of course, many know the prodigal son story, right, where the father goes and runs to the lost son when he sees him off in the distance, and he goes. He leaves everything else, and he did what was considered just, you cannot do this. He ran to his son. Despise son who wasted everything away, right? So we got that story. We had the story of the last coin and how the woman searched everywhere for her last coin until she found it. But the one that really hits home, and it's the one that Jesus began with, was the story of the lost sheep. And it is so, so powerful and displays God's heart for those who are not a part of the family of God. Luke 15, verse 1. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And all the lost people, he was going to them. And they were, they were just soaking it in. And they were hanging out with Jesus and just being at his every moment. Wherever he went, he was there. And they were there. And the religious people. And so Jesus told them this parable or a story, a story with a, with a purpose, right, to really get them. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the open field and go after the one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you. In the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need 
Jesus is making so clear to his followers at the time and to us today. Over and over, we are called to get, to find, to seek, to find. Where to go? Where to go? But then, that's where it gets tough. Now, maybe you haven't really thought this through that, to that detailed of a description of it. We have to first go. We have to first go where the people are in order to find them. And so I've, I've always been good about that part. Like, I can go to ugly places, to dirty places, to places where people who are far from God are. I have no problem hanging out with my friends at the softball field as they're drinking away. I have no problem hanging out with them, going to them. And people always are like, dude, what? How do you do that? I'm like, I have no problem. These are lost people. Lost people do what lost people do. Right? I have no problem hanging out with them. To go to the to the racetrack and to hang out with the guys in the pits and as they're swearing and doing all the stuff that they do in the pits of the racetrack. I have no problem with that. But what I've always struggled with is I can go with the people and they can know that I'm a pastor. They can know that, that I hang out with kids and, and I'm teaching kids all the time. They, they know all these things about me. But I so struggle with inviting them to what is the most important event of my whole week, week in and week out. Gathering together with my brothers and sisters and praising God. Why is it that I struggle with that? What keeps me from inviting them to what is the most important thing to me? Jesus, (laughs) Jesus addressed this. Because, maybe you didn't catch it, when Jesus was addressing his disciples to go and make disciples, he was with them, right? They came down to the mountain or to the place where Jesus had commanded them, and they were there waiting for him. He had already died and rose from the grave, and he'd already showed them a bunch of things and taught them a bunch of things before he was going to go with the Father. And as they waited there, he comes. And some still doubt. And I would even probably guess that most were still doubting at that point, right? Most. And the question is, what kept them from believing? What kept them from from trusting God? From, from I mean, like, they'd seen it all. The miracles, right? The amazing things that that Jesus did, the rising from the dead. Come on. What are they still doubting? Well, they had quite the history, right? Look back over the course of Jesus' time with them, three years with them, and what were the continued characteristics of the disciples? Fear? Distraction? Dizziness? And the list can go on. But I think those were really three of, the, three of the biggest ones. Fear, distractions, and just pure busyness. Getting too caught up to see what God saw. To process. To reflect. To just dwell with God. 
allowed circumstances to dictate. I think we do that with inviting people to our church to be a part of what God is doing. We allow our fear, distractions, busyness to keep us from God, and too caught up in the moment to forget about the most important thing in our lives and, and what they need to get a hold of. And that is Jesus Christ and his body, the church. It's valuable. It's crucial to your eternal destiny. And Jesus addressed this, didn't he? What did he say? He told them right away, all authority has been given to me. Stop doubting. Stop being full of fear. Stop being distracted and so busy. I've got work for you to do. I've got a plan. And here's what's so beautiful about Jesus is that he just didn't tell them, go, I have given, I have all the authority from the Father. Now you get to work and do what you're supposed to do. Stop doubting, stop fear, and then left them. Right? He didn't leave them. He promised them, I will be with you to the end. And over and over we see this again and again in John chapter 14 and 15, Jesus is promising them repeatedly at the end of John that I'm going to send the counselor. I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the one that's going to help you to remember all these things. I'm going to send you the one to give you power. And then Luke 24, he promises them, wait here and I will send you the Holy Spirit, the one who will give you power in my power to be what I Help others come to know and believe and follow the one who has set them free. But Jesus doesn't leave us orphans. He doesn't leave us powerless. He doesn't command us to do something and say, ah, good luck. He gives you power. He gives you power. I love how Smith Wigglesworth put it, and he's an old-time preacher. He didn't mess around when he said that. He said, you will do more in one year if you really are filled with the Holy Ghost than you could in 50 years apart from me. That's so true. It's so true. <laughs> like, without that filling of the Holy Spirit, man, we're just like the disciples. We're fearing. We're doubting. We're questioning. We're too busy. We're distracted. It, on and on. That's me without the Holy Spirit. But me with the Holy Spirit, when I'm spending time with him and digging into him and just allowing him to work inside of me and processing all the stuff in my crazy world, and I slow down and be with the Father. He gives me the power. Sometimes it's immediate. And it's like, whoa, this is amazing. I understand. I think clear. Sometimes it's a process. And he works out of me all the garbage that is just a tangled mess inside of me. Holy Spirit is your power. Holy Spirit will help you to be focused. To invite, because here's the reality. I'm going to go right back to this again, like I started with. It is the church that God uses to to refine us, to challenge us, to help us to grow, to comfort us. It gives us the the place where we're safe, and we can become who God wants us to become. And so we need to have that courage to invite, to invite them into our church family. Now, whether that's a, in a building or in a home or whatever, there's different versions of what church is. But the reality is it's a family. 
It's a spiritual family where Jesus Christ is the head and we come together and we use the gifts that God has given us to be a functioning body that proclaims Jesus as both Savior and Lord. So today, I want to give you a basic, basic, I'm telling you, this is basic. Now, the reason I want it to be basic is I want you to actually be able to do this. But I want to give you some tools that you can use to feel confident that with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, that you can become an inviter to those who aren't a part of the church family, the family of God as a whole. And so I want to ask you a question as we as I give you these tools, I want to begin with the question. What actually gets people to come to church? Have you ever thought that? Like before we before we'd start talking about inviting people to church, what gets people into church? Now some people would say advertising. Advertising is what gets anybody to go anywhere, right? You advertise it well enough and people will come. Fair enough. Sometimes People do come because of advertising, but that's usually because they're new to a community, right? So over the years, advertising's always had its little place, but usually there's underlying reasons for why people go to church. Either they're going through a hard time, right? There's nothing like sickness, death, relational conflicts, just personal issues to drive a person to question, is there more to life than this? How, how is this working out? So they ask those tough questions and they turn to the church. Fair enough. The second thing that people have predominantly went to church for over the years was for a social network. Now, this goes back to when I was a kid and really before that when in the heyday, a church was kind of like a status that if you were a part of a church, you were more likely to get voted in to important places of government. If you were a part of a church family, people would go to your business. If you had a business, they would support you in school. So on and on. This was predominantly the culture of America before the 90s. Things aren't like that anymore. Believe it or not, people don't really go to church if they're going through hard times because the church as a whole has kind of lost a place of security and safety that people think of when they're going through a hard time. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to God or thinking on spiritual terms. We had a a person that contacted us just this week that was asking about, about a situation that they needed prayer for, that doesn't go to our church, doesn't know anything about church, but yet they know that we are a safe person and that we love God. So people are still turning to God, just not the church. And so there are very, very minimal amount of people that check out a church for difficulties or for social networking. 
There's so many different things out there. And the reality is, it's all the answers to all life's questions and all the networking and socializing you ever need is in most people's hands. Don't need church for those. There is only one reason a person checks out they're invited. And so today, I want to give you those tools because you are the number one reason that a person will end up in church. You are it. If we don't help you to become the number one tool in somebody's life to come to Jesus, there's a high chance that a person will not have an opportunity to come to know Jesus. You don't have to give them the salvation message. You don't have to lay it out for them of how to get to Jesus. But you need to have the tools of how you can connect them to a church where they can hear the good news of Jesus. Now, if you can lead them to Jesus, by all means, you're an evangelistic kind of person, and man, you are a gift. But not all of us are. You can become that, and by inviting, that gives you the opportunity to take them into that relationship to Jesus, but most people aren't in that place where they can just go all the way in. It's a process. And so let me give you these three thoughts on how you can invite. The number one tool that I'm going to give you today, outside of the last one, which is a game, number one tool is that you are to care be available. Care and be available. Again, that's why when it comes to inviting your one, this isn't a mass movement. This isn't a, you go out and you reach all of Thief River Falls. No, this is one person at a time because if you're anything like me, I don't have time to care and be available for everybody. But I can care and be available for one. I care. That's just simply doing what everybody has a gift for. People want to know what they need. And so when you listen, you just let them share. You're opening up the door for them to make you their safe person. And once you become that safe person, they know that you care. Friends, if all you're trying to do in a relationship is win them to your church or win them to Jesus, people can see that a mile away. I can see an agenda of a salesperson every time. Every time. I'm like, I don't have time for you. I, I Facebook, when they have these, these things that people are trying to sell, I'm like, you're just, I don't have time for that. I don't need to be sold another product. Truly care, truly listen. I, I love the story of Zacchaeus. And usually we take this, this story a little differently, but I just want to read it to you today, just a few verses. Now, Zacchaeus was in, in the culture of the day, he was an absolute reject, like a reject of all rejects. He was a Jew that was pretty much 
rebelling against his, his heritage. He was a tax collector. He was a guy who took money from his people to give to the person who was ruling over them in a malicious way, right? And he was keeping some of the money for himself, and then he would charge them even more so he could keep more for himself, then he'd give the money to the tax to the ruling authority at that time was Rome. He was a hated person. And so here comes Jesus, a religious teacher, and he sees him. That is absolutely breaking every rule that Jesus was supposed to ever do. So let's just read the story. So I want to give that as a background so it can kind of unpack how radical this was. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down and come down, because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. He was welcoming himself into one of the worst persons at that time. Right? Like, just think of some of the worst people that socially are not accepted today in America. Like, that was Zacchaeus. Jesus welcomed himself into his house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain, he's going to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've extorted, extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. The son of man has come to seek and save the lost. Not only was Jesus seeing him, right? Like, this is the whole point. Jesus first went to him. Remember that. First and foremost, he went to him. And then he saw him. He actually saw him. He knew exactly who he was. He knew he was a chief tax collector. But like he went to him. He saw him for who he was. What did he call him? This is the son of Abraham. He called out who he truly was. He saw him. He welcomed him. He cared for him. He listened. When it comes to inviting, you're going to where they are. And you are calling out who they really are. You're seeing them for who they really are. You're seeing God's vision for them. And when you see that, when you care for them, when you reach out in ways that only you can, I'm not saying you got to give your whole life out and sacrifice yourself for them, but, but when you just truly care for them and help out when you can, but when you can, salvation comes to a house. Salvation comes to a house. You don't have to be an evangelist to change the world. You just change one person at a time. And then step two, once you've done it, once you've cared and you're available, truly see them, call them out to the greatness God has for them. 
This could take years, could take a day, could take the rest of your life. But eventually, you are going to need to be prepared. And let me tell you, inviting isn't that hard when you have a relationship with the person. Studies say that two-thirds of all people are highly likely to go with the person who invites them to church. Highly likely. Over two-thirds. Some reports have up to 80% are highly likely. Another study says that of those who visited church, 86% of them, 86% came because a friend invited them. The point today is, is if you care for a person, you've loved them, you've been there for them, if you invite them, Maybe not on the first time, because things happen. Maybe it comes across as a little too bold for them, especially if you're living in a land like Beaver Falls, Minnesota, that's really conservative and fairly introverted. They might take it too far. But invite them. And there's so many easy ways to invite nowadays, right? Like, I mean, just simply inviting them to an event that your church is putting on. Or how about this? This is what's so beautiful about social media, is you can share with them online an event. You can take them in an event. Or you can share the messages of your church online. Simple. And then maybe even tag a person that you're trying to reach out when a message really hits where they're struggling with. You can even simply say, hey, listen, at, at, at minute four to five, there's really something to talk. It's just opening them up. You don't even have to, to share it online. You can share it with them through messenger. There's so many ways that are really safe, and you don't have to feel like you're going to be rejected. Because I realize that that's a, that's a, maybe you don't really necessarily are aware of it, but inside there's that fear of rejection that's going on. Online. I mean, once in a million attempts, you might have somebody who is downright, you know, like, oh, you guys are awful, but you're, you're going to have a lot more successes than that, like, 86% chance of success. That's these gifted dudes know all I'm going to say. <laughs> so invite them. And through it all, let me tell you this. The third thing that you need to do when it comes to inviting your friends is to pray every step of the way. From the moment you start caring and loving and God puts a person on your heart to the moment you invite, to the moment they come, to the moment that they go back home and you invite them again, be praying. Diligently pray. James 5.16 says that when we pray, things Things happen. In 2 Peter 3.9, I'm telling you, when you're praying in line with God's heart, he's going to answer it. Because 2 Peter 3.9 says that God doesn't want any to perish. He wants everybody to have eternal life. He wants to answer that prayer for that person who you want to see come to faith. He wants a relationship with them. 
for all of eternity. He doesn't want to be separated from any single person that he's created in the image of himself. He loves every person. And he wants them to be in his presence for all of eternity. That is God's heart. And when you get alongside of that and you pray, that same prayer that God prays, you care, will you serve, will you invite, will you pray for that person? I want to give you that opportunity today to in the comments below if you're listening to this on social media or to, again, email it to me at nexuschurchmn at gmail.com however you want to share it. I want to be person with you. So it doesn't matter when you listen to this. It could be 10 years from when I preach this in, in July of 2023. <laughs> Share that because I want to be praying for that person. I have a board in the back of our church that's full of names of people that I pray for regularly. That God would move in their life and that, that whoever wrote that name down, that God would see through it that that person would get to invite them into a church family or invite them into the church family and become a follower of Jesus. Pray for them now. Because I need them. I want to see lives transformed and be in God's presence for all of eternity. So write that down today. And write it down for yourself. Father, I pray for every person listening. Again, my heart and my desire is that they don't feel like this was a slam against them for not being in church. I know that they are working through a process and that you will be with them and that you will bring them back into a church family where they can thrive with you and with their church family. And I pray that as they as they pray about this person, they want to invite into a relationship with you, whether it's through the church or they're going to do it themselves. I pray that you will give them the right words to say, that they will set aside fear, they'll set aside distractions, busyness, and excuses, and start loving that person, loving that family member, loving that neighbor, loving, loving that classmate, that coworker, that boss, whoever. That we will see people coming to Jesus, coming alive to Jesus. And we need more of that. Thank you so much, Nexus Church family, for joining us today online. If you have any questions, again, reach out to us through Facebook, through our email, and we would love to help you any way we can in this process of